This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. You pooping? Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. And I'm Stacey Kulo. And this is a podcast where I share with Stacey my favorite show growing up, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which she's never seen. And I show Brian one of my favorite shows that he's never seen, Gilmore Girls. And we're going to talk about both and maybe figure out which show is better. We've been desperately wanting to binge these shows. We mentioned that last time. Yeah. Uh, I just want to know what happens so bad on both shows. There's a lot of show. and It would take a long time to binge. We saw some friends in the park. Yeah, it was nice. It was a good time. Uh, It was outside. We were distanced. Yeah, it was good to see real people. I've seen them online so much, but I hadn't seen their little faces. They have really little faces. They're so small. I thought they were just far away, but no, their faces are just small. It's really hard to see their faces over Zoom. Yeah, you need to zoom in. It's Mm -hmm. weird. One of them almost got a kid while we were there. This child just wandered up to us, our friend in particular, and just was like staring at her and would just every once in a while take one step closer. It was (laughs) a little scary. How does this end? Does the child (laughs) jump in her backpack? She found some parents, though. I've been playing with my cat, and I broke part of our cat tree, and I feel really bad about it. Brian's really preoccupied about that. I tried to, like, step on part of the cat tree to, like, make it seem like I was coming after him. This is the way we play, and he loves it. But it, like, It's the way we play, too, and I don't love it. (laughs) So this week, we started with Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 3, Red Light on the Wedding Night. Mmm... Brian, do you want to tell them what happened? This episode is essentially just about Lorelai getting cold feet about getting married. Yeah. She's getting ready for the wedding. She's got her bachelorette party. Max has his bachelor party. And they have a double date, her and Max, with her daughter, Rory and Dean. And everything seems like it's going to be all right. But you can tell the whole episode that Lorelai's like, do I want to get married? She does not. And she doesn't, yeah. She doesn't. The show opens with the cake testing. But of course, the joke is that they're not going to actually have a cake here. They're just doing this and Sugi's going to make them a cake. Yeah, they're just taking advantage of the free cake. This was funny. Mm-hmm. It was a, a good twist. It was a good good opener, Gilmore Girls. The episode is a bit of a time jump from the previous episode. Max Medina is back. I kind of don't understand why he had to go. It didn't really serve a purpose in the plot. You're right. Nothing really happened while he was gone. Right? Like, I thought she was going to, like, slowly fall in love with somebody while he was gone or, like, realize her feelings for Luke while he was gone or realize she's happy while he's gone. And really, it was just like, oh, no, I was gone and it wasn't important. (laughs) So back at the Gilmore house, Max is like, I got to go home because they're going to have some painters in. It's going to suck. And Lorelai's like, well, if it's going to smell like paint there and stuff, why don't you just stay here? And he's like, are you sure? Stay here? They're getting married in two weeks, and they haven't spent the night together? He should be moving in at this point. Yeah, and I get that she wanted to go slow at first for Rory's sake, but, like, if he's going to be her your husband in two weeks, like, Rory should be totally fine with him being in the house And overnight. it's not like they're saving themselves for right. the wedding night. Exactly. We, we know they've consummated. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, yeah, I guess I could try that. Meanwhile, Rory is asking Dean if he wouldn't mind going on a double date with uh, her mom and Max. Dean doesn't want to do it, which immediately means it's a bad idea. Anytime Dean doesn't want to do something, it's going to go poorly. Yeah, they shouldn't have gone to that dance. They shouldn't have gone to her grandparents' house. Anytime Rory says, it's important to me, it's like, oh, well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> 
does Dean ever drag her to anything? I feel like a lot of the show is Rory being like, will you do this thing? And he's like, fine, I'll do it because I love you. She goes to his baseball games. That's true. You know what? You're 100% right. I retract my statement. He dragged her to the junkyard. To break up with her. (laughs) (laughs) So he's like, yeah, I guess we'll do it. So Max is over for the weekend and he is cooking. Cooking? Yeah, the Gilmore girls do not cook. He shows them the broiler and they're like totally shocked. To be fair. <laughs> to Yeah, to be fair, Stacey and I definitely know about the broiler now, but <laughs> I'm not sure I knew about the broiler before I hit my 30s. <laughs> the oven we currently have has a broiler drawer, but no oven I've ever had in my life has had that. Are you sure? You just didn't know what... It, I thought that's just where pans went for the longest time. I think every other oven that I've had... I mean, ovens have drawers in the bottom that aren't broilers. Do they? Yes. Okay. Like, my parents' oven growing up, you had like a pan. And I think every oven that we had as a couple came with a broiler pan that you like put in the oven and you can set it to broil. Mm-hmm. Not all ovens have a broiler drawer. It might be like a gas stove thing because we didn't have gas stoves back home. Yeah, I don't know. Also unrelated, but kind of related... One time I dropped a bunch of popcorn kernels on our electric stove, the kind with like the coils. So the popcorn kernels got like underneath the coils and like fell into the oven, which I don't remember if I forgot or if I just didn't realize how many kernels had fallen into the oven. But next time we turned on the oven, it just started popping all the popcorn. (laughs) There's nothing you can really do about it at that point. You just got to let it go. We didn't have Kurt then, otherwise he would have been so excited. Yes. They're just as shocked as we were about the broiler drawer. He makes great food because he's a great chef. They watch a movie and they're doing all like idiosyncratic things like they talk during the movie, but he's not allowed to talk during the movie because he'll talk during the parts they talked during last time, so they didn't remember those parts as well. They're just really Gilmoring out. Yeah, it's pretty funny. He falls asleep though. And she takes him up to bed and then she's all weird about it. Yeah. She's like, is it okay, Rory, that he's going to sleep in my bed? No, you're going to marry him in two weeks. Like, Rory's a very smart young woman. Like, I I mean, obviously, there's probably some weirdness into, like, this guy didn't used to live with us. Now a man does. Sure. But, like, it's a kind of weird that you expect and you learn to deal with. But then she, like, leaves him in bed and, like, comes down to Rory's bed to, like, make sure she's fine with what's happening. Yeah, I mean, she's like, it's going to be weird that he lives here, and it's not just going to be us anymore. We can't just, like, have our little secret clubhouse like we always have. But these are all conversations we should have had before the wedding day, before the proposal. It's just, we should be a lot farther along in the relationship than this. Well, they've definitely set up in the show that, like, Lorelai doesn't really think ahead, right? Like, she doesn't really, she never thought about where they're going to live and stuff until Luke pointed out that she needed to. Yeah. But Rory's all like, it's going to be fine. No problems. So the next day, they go to Luke's. Lorelai tells Luke that he's got to be nice. Like he didn't just act super weird around him last time they interacted? And then when Max comes in, Luke's all like, you look great. I love you. Everything's fine. You're the best. Like clearly trying to be nice, but he can't. Max sits down and picks out a menu. The two girls order immediately. And then he's like, I'll need a second. And everyone looks at him like he just said, hey, I want to eat some vomit. <laughs> like they were like, what? You need a second at this place you've never been before? They're drinking out of these big red coffee cups. For one quick shot, they're all blue. Yeah. It's the same, obviously the same brand of cups. And then for the rest of the scene and all the other shots, they're back to the red ones. Like, what happened? They clearly had to, like, reshoot something on, like, a different day. But, like, nothing really happened in that shot. I don't even know if there were any lines of dialogue. It was just... It's almost, like, would have been better if they just didn't have the cups in the shot. And they're big. They're huge, almost novelty cups. They also, like, wave them around. 
when yeah. they're like waiting for their coffee. So we notice them, especially in this scene. Mm-hmm. It's super weird. And and the, like you said, Stacey, like the scene that they kept wasn't that important. So I don't understand why they had to reshoot it. Well, this was distracting to us. Luke's distracted by what's going on outside. They're putting in a stoplight. This was telegraph beforehand because Taylor Dosey was all smug eating at Luke's, which meant he was going to do something Luke wasn't going to like. You remembered his name. Taylor Dosey. And they're putting in a stoplight, and Luke is pissed because why not? Luke will find any reason to have an emotional outburst. It's really unclear. All we could think is like, I mean, this is happening in front of his store without his knowledge, but I don't really know how it will like negatively impact him. Stoplights aren't like inherently ugly, I guess, as far as I'm concerned. And like, if anything, it's going to bring more people there because they'll have to stop. Maybe they'll look at Luke's and be like, you know, I'm hungry. I think he just doesn't like change. And like, it was done without him being told that it was going to happen. Luke's libertarian, right? He's just like definitely got this like attitude like the government does no business doing anything without my permission. But then Lorelai comes outside to talk to him and she's all like, so I gave you that wedding invitation. Are you coming? He's all like, I got to deal with this stoplight. And you're like, okay, but that doesn't really answer the question. So it's finally date night. The two men are very stuffed. The women are fine. They, they, It's almost like they didn't eat. They're still hungry. They get ice cream. Max is making jokes about this. Dean and Max get to have a little man time, a little male bonding, one-on-one, talking about the women. And Dean gives Max some advice about Gilmore Girls. Like, go with their bits and don't get into a fight with them at night because that's when they're cranky. Are they gremlins? Yeah. Um, Gilmore Girls have a specific set of rules that you cannot break. Don't get them wet, because then they'll form a very non-committal relationship with you. Ooh. Lorelai gives him ice cream. It's his favorite. Everything's great. Everything's perfect. Well, he didn't want the ice cream. Right. It is his favorite flavor, though. Yes. Then they get home, and Max notices that Rory and Dean are still together, and they're getting kind of lovey-dovey. And he says, hey, guys, it's uh, past 11. And they're like, yeah, cool. And then he's like, okay, I'm not your dad yet, so I don't really know what to say. So he, like, goes upstairs and... Tries to talk to Lorelai about, like, what should he do? And, like, what's the rules when it comes to Rory? And Lorelai is being classic Lorelai, where she's like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I don't know. Everything's great. And he's like, right, but I want to have some idea. Max sort of, like, snaps at her a little bit because she's not thinking about what his role might be. And then he apologizes, and he makes a joke about doing what Dean told him not to do, breaking that rule. Mm -hmm. He's getting into a fight with her while she's cranky. Then we have, like, maybe the weirdest scene yet in the show. Oh, yeah? Taylor Dosey is, like, doing an unveiling of the stoplight. And this huge event has brought the entire town together to watch. What is happening? No one would ever go to this. I remember when my town got a stoplight. I'm from a small town. You remember that? I remember not having one and then having one, and it was a big deal. And you didn't didn't go to the ceremony? No, there was no ceremony. There wasn't a ceremony? (laughs) I mean, it's at a busy intersection. This was, like, in the middle of town. Everyone is there for this non-event. There's a complicated sign. It's kind of funny. And there is a really funny line where uh, her neighbor, the tall guy. Maury. Maury with like a super deep voice was like, I don't like being infantilized. Yeah. (laughs) It's really funny. The sign like breaks down in laymanist terms how to cross the street. (laughs) Yeah. Babette says some weird stuff about putting a poker in her butt and tells Lorelai to put her hand down a man's pants at her bachelorette party for her. Yeah, there was a lot going on in this scene. It made me wonder, like, is Stars Hollow, like, purgatory? Is that why everyone's here? No one in this town is happy. That's not true. They're also happy. Are they? 
It seems like a front. They were happy at the engagement party. Sure. Well, I do want to point out that the happiness may not be real. But yeah, you're right. It does seem like everyone in the town is happy. But it's just such like I can't imagine going to a stoplight unveiling, let alone having like written a speech for it. Then Luke has a rant about marriage, about humans shouldn't mate for life. Very pointed at Lorelai, probably. I would say probably. Then it's bachelor and bachelorette party night. Max's doesn't go so well. No, somebody gets hurt because they try to jump over a meter and slap their balls against it. And they have to go to the hospital. But then Lorelai's is getting pretty crazy. They go to like a, a drag club. But also notably, Michelle is there. And he apparently has invited himself. And at this point, Brian asks a very good question. Is Michelle gay? And that is a very good question, Brian. <laughs> It's just, it's it's weird that he's there because it's a bachelorette party. Not that a man, like, couldn't go to one. But Michelle's, like, not her friend and also, like, not on, like, great terms with her. So I'm like, why are you here? It is a question many, many people have. And he is clearly written as a gay man that says he's into women. He makes a point of saying that he's straight. Mm-hmm. And we're trying not to do spoilers, but I did tell Brian the deal with Michelle, which is that he is straight as far as we know in the first seven seasons, but in Year in the Life, he's with a man. But then they, he's also like weirded out by the drag dancers. Yeah. So it's just like, what is happening? Like what were the writers thinking was happening? Here? I don't know why they didn't just make him gay. I think because of the time, not everyone was super cool with that yet. Right. But he, he feels like a gay man to me. And he invited Emily. Yes. Which is very funny because it's clearly out of her element. But she also was kind of like, sure, this is whatever. Yeah, like, she was like very well behaved. She was loving her drink. She was kind of the life of the party, actually. Yeah, she got drunk. That was funny after she like tells that story. And then she's like. Yes, this is important. She yeah. tells a very nice story about how excited she was the week leading up to her wedding. Yes, yeah, so how much she loved Richard, how she was always thinking about whether he was thinking about her and how she'd try on her dress every night. And uh, she's like, oh, uh, I'm I'm drunk. Like she was sharing too much. But that like just sort of hits Lorelai in a weird way. And this prompts all of the women to call their bows and Rory to text Dean on some kind of AOL box. What does she have? We don't know. All right, guys, I'm going to tell you how old we are ish. Rory graduates high school the year between Brian and I. So we are Rory's age. We have no idea what device she was using to text Dean. It may have been a pager. But like, what do you text on a pager? It says AOL on it too. And it's also much bigger than a pager. If anybody knows what this thing was, we missed out. They did not have these in the Midwest that we're aware of. Is it like an AIM thing? Could AOL Instant be? Messenger thing? 2001 though? Were we doing that? Yeah, we were. There was AIM then. I think it was AIM. I don't know what else it was. But anyway, everyone's got to call their bow, text their bow. But Lorelai makes a phone call too, but she calls... Max Medina. <gasps> no. No? Luke? No. Ooh. Kirk. No, she calls... <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I thought you just got his name wrong. No, this time I didn't. It's Christopher. Oh. Remember from season one? She had sex with him on a balcony. Mm -hmm. She calls him and he's like, why are you calling? She's like, uh, just to like tell you what's going on. Yeah, he didn't know she was getting married. Yeah, he's like, okay, cool, cool. And it's clear that she's having like second thoughts. That's why she's calling him. It's yeah. weird that she called him. She's like, you can see me married, right? And he's all like, yeah, if it's the right guy. It's like she wants him to talk her out of it or talk her into it. Or ask her to marry him again. Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird and also mean because, like, he proposed to her not that long ago. Mm -hmm. 
From what I understand, other than the fact that he is a liar when it comes to like business stuff, and I'm not defending Christopher in any way, but like it feels like they're on okay terms. So to like call him and be like, I'm getting married. It's not you. He seemed not jealous though. That's true. Not that he necessarily would say anything, but I thought the way the actor portrayed it, he was not acting jealous. Yeah. I mean, he may have given up on her too. Sure. But it's also just weird that she called him. I don't know. The next day at work, everybody's hungover. They feel bad. I can't imagine the ennui that Michelle's got right now. Well, he had a great night because he sat at a table and talked to Janet Jackson and Celine Dion and said they were very nice guys. <laughs> that was a really funny line. Max shows up because he doesn't have keys to the house. It seems like he's maybe been asking for keys for a while. And he gets kind of mad. He's like, okay, well, I need keys. You know, I'm going to be living there. I should have keys. And she's like maybe a little short with him. And then he's just like, you need to think about someone besides yourself. Ooh. You pooping? <laughs> you having a thought? <laughs> yeah, he uh, he kind of yells at her. I, I don't know. I, I don't Wow, I couldn't imagine saying that. Like, I would say something, but that just seems like really to the heart of it. I would be like, I feel like you're not thinking about me. It was pretty aggressive out of nowhere and maybe out of character. He's super, he seems generally to be like a super understanding guy. There's been a lot of scenes with him being like, why aren't you telling people about me? Why haven't you thought about our plans for the future? Mm -hmm. But also in the episode where she gives him her yes answer, it's also kind of on him that they haven't talked about the future yet. That's true. I, I think he's just generally frustrated with how unexcited she seems about the wedding. Yeah. And he's not wrong. And then he apologizes. He was like, oh, maybe I'm hungover too, actually. And she's like, I'll get you the keys later tonight, I promise. And everything seems well. It seems like they f- they just snapped a little bit, but everything's fine. And we never see Max again. He dies. Well, we don't see him the rest of the episode. Chris calls Rory, we don't see this, and has a chat about her mother calling. Back at the house, Rory brings up the phone call. Lorelai's defensive. She's like, well, I don't know why he would be calling you to tell you that. And she's like, well, because it's weird. And Rory's like, are you happy? And Laura's like, don't I look happy? She blames the Long Island iced tea. Yeah. But that line right there, right? I mean, that's just so, I mean, that's almost like a pl- call for help. Like, don't I look happy? And Rory's not really buying it, though. She's like, I guess... I feel like Roy drops the ball when her mom says, don't I look happy? I would have been like, okay, but are you? I don't know. I They have a way closer relationship than I have with my mom. And if my mom was like asking me that, I don't know if I would have the courage to be like, no. Yeah. And then Luke shows up with a hoopla. Is that what it's called? It's not called a hoopla. It's a hoopla? Hoop- I don't know what it is. I think it's Jewish. It is Jewish. It's like a little archway for weddings. Yeah. And Lorelai is like, is it weird if we stand under this? Because we're not Jewish. But I'm pretty sure the actor that plays Max is Jewish. This is just like classic Luke, right? Like he can't deal with emotions and then later he like apologizes with something. Yeah, I think Luke's love language is surprise construction. Yeah, right? He just shows up with this unasked for thing that he built. It's this very intricate like, yeah, archway for them to stand under when they get married. But it's got like carvings of goats on it i'm like did you like sculpt this in wood overnight if you're able to do that you should like quit your diner and be like a woodman a woodsman a woodsmith yeah, i think a woodsman is a guy who lives in the woods well he's dressed for that but yeah. like he should be making these for money that's like super intricate woodworking <laughs> I want to point out something, too, real quick about Luke. And the diner scene earlier, his shirt was just far too big for him. It looks like a little cape behind him. Oversize was in style back then. And if anyone's got style, it's Luke, baby. <laughs> Lorelai asks Luke if all that stuff he was saying about marriage before is really true. And he's like, well, if you find the right person, maybe it can be okay, blah, blah, blah. He says something about... It's a pretty good Luke impression, by the way. I've seen the show a lot. 
It's funny because he does speak negatively about marriage for a moment, but he says something about how your partner like tries to dress you and then that's bad. But like Lorelai literally tried to dress him a couple episodes ago, as she maybe showed, as Brian pointed out. And then the, the scene ends with him saying like, well, you only get married once, theoretically, right? And she's like, yeah, you only get married once. And then there's a shot of them from behind standing under the hoopah together. Mm. Very mm. matrimonial. A little prescient, maybe. Then it's maybe nighttime. Rory's in a room. Lorelai busts in. She's like, pack now. We got to go. Road trip. Rory's like, are you getting married tomorrow? And she's like, road trip. Are you getting married? And she's like, no. So Rory asked her, I'm like, why aren't you getting married? And she said, because I didn't want to try on my wedding dress every night. Oh, man, that got me. Wow. Powerful stuff. And then what, what was powerful for me wasn't that. It was Rory being like, okay, this is where we're at. I'm yeah. jumping on board. Yeah, she like didn't have to ask any questions. She's just like, okay, your way of wallowing is going on a road trip. Yeah, and so she's just like, cool, let's get ready. We're going on a road trip and like just jumped on board, which I liked. I liked that a lot. What I didn't like is I wanted to know, does Max know it's over? Is yeah. he going to be at the altar in the next episode? <laughs> like- I can't remember what happens. I kind of assumed she had maybe called him and broken it off just because it seems shitty not to. It seemed middle of the night to me, right? Because they were going to get up at five the next morning. Yeah, but they hadn't gone to bed yet. So I think it was like eight or nine. Yeah. They're driving out of town early the next morning and they have to stop at the stoplight. Hmm. Symbolism. What do you think it means? It means she's going to stop because of Luke. Oh, you think because it's in front of Luke's, it it has something to do with Luke? Like Mm -hmm. Luke stopped her? Mm -hmm. I was actually going to ask you, what do you think ultimately convinced her not to get married? Was it Luke? Was it talking to Christopher or was it Emily? I think it was Emily. I mean, that's what she says, right? Yeah. It's kind of interesting because Emily wasn't necessarily trying to manipulate her in this case. That we know of. Emily is a complicated, sinister mistress. She's Max's mistress. It's weird. Yeah. But that is ultimately what got to Lorelai, I think. Yeah. I think she was unsure all along, but that's what really did it. Emily... Well, I mean, I think Max is right in that she wasn't thinking about all these things about Max and their future together, mm-hmm. which is speaks more to like what Emily was saying about like when you love somebody, like you're thinking about them all of the time. Yeah. So these questions, like you would have thought about these things. Mm-hmm. I do also want to point out that when Emily was marrying Richard, that was a way different time. Yeah. They probably got married quickly, you know, like yeah. I feel like people got married pretty soon after they were children. There was probably then. also like sexual desire wrapped into it because they were probably saving themselves yeah and like probably hadn't lived together i mean not that lorelei and max have either but that's very clear they had not (laughs) it was just a different time where Mm -hmm. you're like oh yeah i'm gonna be a married woman i'm gonna move out of my parents home be with a big strong insurance salesman and he's gonna read a lot of newspapers and i'm going to be a big bitch to my daughter i can't wait to have a daughter and be a bitch to her (laughs) And she got everything she wanted. Stacy, hmm. do you think this was a good episode? Yeah. I sounded hesitant, didn't I? Mm-hmm. I, I really like a lot of it. But the, yes, it was good. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like the, the Emily moment. And I like, it's not the best one ever, but it's pretty good. Hmm. What do you think? I don't know. I liked the Emily moment, both when she said it and um, I guess it's more of a Rory moment at the end where Rory jumps on board with her mom to support her. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of the little things leading up to that, like, we know she's not going to marry Max. Yeah, I think their engagement so is dumb. It seems rushed into, and they never really have been happy 
other than just like in moments, you know, like their yeah. relationship has been very tumultuous. It seems insane that they're getting married. Yeah. And like, I don't, and all the, all the points he brings up, about, like you haven't thought about this at all. Like she's hasn't thought about it to like an almost cartoonish amount. And they could just like not get married and stay together yeah. and talk about this stuff for a couple more years and then maybe get married. They could move in. So yeah, all that stuff seems just like invented drama, but I did like a lot of the scenes and the way they got where they did. Yeah. I liked it. And now for a segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed, Season 2, Episode 3, The Painted World, Prue finds some mysterious words on an unusual painting at the auction house, which is just their house, right? Mm-hmm. Which, when said out loud, send her into another dimension within the painting of a castle. Oh, wow. So this episode, uh, and I'm guessing, and I'm pretty sure my guess is probably perfectly right. Generally. This is like a cartoon episode. Oh. So it's like a real funny one. Like she gets put into the painting and then she's like, oh my God, I'm 2D. And like an anvil falls on her. She's got like a real big mouth or something. She's like a caricature. I don't know what part of her is big, but you do. And whatever part you're imagining is bigger now. It's her boobs. (laughs) If it's Prue from the Great British Bake Off, I'm guessing it's her jewelry is enormous and her glasses are Oh yeah, and her, her lips. All that's bigger and more colorful now. Prue already looks like she was painted by Gaudi. Like, she's just a bunch of bright primary colors. So she was already pretty much a cartoon. So before. she fits right in here. So it's probably like a funny episode where she's got to find a way to come back to the real world, and she does, but she actually never becomes human again, but no one could tell because she looked like a cartoon to start with. You think Prue is just a cartoon woman the rest of the series? Yeah, I would guess that's probably accurate. That makes sense. How do you think she escapes? I think, I'm pretty sure the way that Prue gets out is that she puts her thumb in her mouth, and she blows, and then she like 3D balloons like a balloon, and she pops out of the painting. Yeah, because if you're in an animated world, yep. you can kind of do anything. She tries a lot of practical stuff first, and she's like, hold on, I'm magic. This mm-hmm. is a cartoon world. Yep. <sighs> she tried so many doors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tons of doors. Uh, she definitely runs off a cliff and doesn't fall, but then she looks down, and she's all like, oh. They do a lot of children's episodes. Yeah. Was this not a children's show? It seems like it was. A lot of children would watch it because they thought it was about Lucky Charms. Right. And then they just got like sucked in. And a lot of the themes were way too adult, but then they realized the audience they had, so they had to start making some episodes for kids. This is probably why we never really watched the show. Yeah. This is Ben. Meanwhile on Charmed. After we watched Gilmore Girls, then we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We watched Season 2, Episode 3, School Hard. Stacey, can you tell me what happened? Yes. So Buffy is being punished by the principal for being a bad, bad girl, and he makes her plan parent-teacher night. And simultaneously, a new villain has come to town who's real good at killing slayers, and he's got big plans to kill her, and she's got to navigate this busy week with having to deal with this new guy and planning parent-teacher night. And it all comes to a head. Yep. So Buffy and another bad girl, Sheila, oh no, not another named person. She's gonna die. Uh, They're getting interrogated by Principal Snyder, who I will here for refer to as Quark. It's like this weird contest where he's trying to figure out which one of them is badder. Buffy, I guess, has burned down multiple buildings, but she hasn't really done that much bad at this school that he's aware of, other than maybe not get great grades. 
Yeah, I mean, she's like left school property. I mean, he just suspects that something's up with her, I guess. But right? the other girl has stabbed a teacher with a trowel, which is maybe something she should be in prison for. Yeah, that's true. So I don't really know why this is a contest, but he's like, I'm going to make you both think about what you've done by organizing parent-teacher night. Like, you have to do all the decorations and food. This seems like not something he can force students to do. This feels like something somebody should be getting paid for. He also says, like, and if you do a good job, maybe I will be nice when I talk to your parents. And then doesn't do that. I know. Buffy does a great job. Well, kind of. The lemonade's bad. We'll get to that. Xander points out that things have been going pretty good vampire-wise lately, and they're like, don't jinx us. Things will get bad. Things will get bad. And then they do. A truck smashes into the Sunnydale sign, and out comes this badass British platinum blonde vampire, and he's like, home sweet home, in British. (laughs) That was funny, like when Xander's like, maybe it'll be different this time. (laughs) (laughs) This guy is Spike. I've been waiting for Spike And today he showed up. I had a hunch he was British just from the pictures I've seen of him. And I was right. I don't think I knew that. The actor's not. Really? (laughs) Why did he make this choice? So I don't know why you're like, I had a hunch he was British. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I don't know. He just seemed British. I want to also point out that the sign says the population of the town, which is 38,000 people. I've often wondered how big this town is. Because they talk about how small it is, but then they like mention things that a small town shouldn't have. I guess 38,000 makes sense. No, that's what it started with. So it's probably... (laughs) Now it's 200. (laughs) It's 200 people. So Spike goes to see the Anointed One and his vampires. He seems like very confident that he can kill Buffy. And then his weird girlfriend, Drusilla, wanders in. I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? (laughs) Yeah, this scene is weird. She kind of looks like a ghost. So I'm like, is this real? Is this like a flashback? But no, they're all watching this. They got this weird, like, Freddy Krueger, like, children's music playing when she's around. Yeah, and they just have this weird, intimate moment in front of everybody. Is the anointed one old enough to be watching this? Yeah. What is happening? Buffy's at home. Her mom comes in to talk to her. She's gotten a note in the mail about parent-teacher night, and she's honestly being a real bitch about it. She's like, were you going to tell me about this? I'm like, you got a note in the mail. Why would Buffy, like, need to invite you if the school's doing their job by, like, sending notices? Yeah. I didn't, like tell my parents about stuff it was like on a calendar or something that the school handed out yeah be like mom why aren't you paying attention and she's basically like don't let me down again try having a job and see how your life and i'm like does buffy ever need a job does she get paid for this she should be getting paid for what she's doing yeah but i'm like if she doesn't get paid and she hopefully becomes an adult like she'll need to pay rent as far as i'm aware she's not getting paid does she just like move in with giles who does also have a job (laughs) Are you shipping Jeffy right now? Do people ship them? Probably somebody ships Jiffy, but um, I don't see a lot of that. Although I will say that there are a lot of women who are super into Giles. You've mentioned that. Giles' character is, he is what you see him as right now, but we do find out more about him coming up like Ooh. as the show goes on. So I think there's more to just like, oh, a lot of girls are into this nerdy guy, but it's funny how many women are into him. Does he have a big dick? <laughs> Huge. Is that what we find out? British dick. When you see it, you're like, I had a suspicion that dick was British. But the the dick actor is American, so it's weird <laughs> that he made a choice to be British. Anyway, we'll get back to Jiffy. At this point, we were wondering, can Buffy just tell her mom? Like, 15 people know at this point that she's a slayer. Like, why hide it from your mom? That would just make life a lot simpler. Yeah, it's, it's crazy that you're hiding it from anyone, honestly. I get that that's the point of the show, and I was a kid who had no problem with it. But, like, you should tell your mom for sure. It seems like someone new finds out every episode. 
just tell your mom and then you don't have to like be hiding stuff from her all the time. Right. Anyway, the gang is talking. They find out that there's a big vampire holiday coming up this weekend called- St. Vigis. They're going to get ready for that. Xander's like, oh, whittle steaks. They should just always be whittling steaks. Yeah, they should have like a whole bunch of these. They're going to the bronze. Buffy's so stressed out. She's got this vampire holiday coming up and her parent-teacher night planning. It seems like Willow loves to tell Buffy that she's upset about Angel when she hasn't mentioned it at all. I think it's supposed to be just like uh, like the writers were like, well, we can't have Buffy just constantly be like, I'm thinking about Angel. So we'll have another character say it. But what it comes across as is like Willow trying to get Buffy not into Xander. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, remember Angel? You like him a lot, right? Angel, not Xander. They're trying to take Buffy's mind off the stressful things. They have a nice non-sexy group dance to try to cleanse our minds of the dirty dance. Yeah, what is happening? Spike is there. He's watching. He lures Buffy outside by kind of casually mentioning that someone's getting bitten in the neck. And it's true. There's a girl outside getting bitten in the neck. And it's not Cordelia. Was she busy this episode? Then Buffy fights the vampires. This one in particular felt like a Power Ranger putty fighting scene. I don't know why. If it was the music or what. <laughs> Just felt silly. But Spike is watching. This was actually very smart. He's watching her fighting style to learn how he can, can beat her. And he says, like, I'm going to kill you on St. Vigis which is Saturday. And she's like, cool, cool. That gives me time to finish my whole parent-teacher night project before then. Spike seems like he likes to use his masculine wiles. Is that a thing? Um, I don't see why not. Okay. He likes to use his like sexy, I'm blonde and British, but neither of those are real about me thing to kind of entrance women. Is entrance a word? Yes. He does that. All what I just said is right. And he finds Sheila and sort of does this to her and gets her to come home with him where he will later feed her to his girlfriend. He kills her friends and she's like, what happened to me? And am I going to disappear? And he's like, no, something better. Because, yeah, he's like giving her eternal life as a vampire. So the gang is talking in the library about what went down to the bronze. Angel creeps in, of course. He knows Spike. He tells us all about him, that he's like a relentless vampire, that he usually gets what he wants and he'll stop at nothing to accomplish his British vampire goals. <laughs> and then Buffy has this weird private moment with Angel where she's like, I thought you were coming to the bronze. And he's like, I said maybe. You said maybe. Nah, 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 nah. And she's like, you're like 200. Shouldn't you know how dating works? Brian, you pointed out that dating was probably a lot different 200 years ago. Like, women were just sold to men that they'd never met. Yeah, I know. He's like, probably, I, I actually don't. I've never done this before. What is Taco Bell? <laughs> and then Angel vanishes, like always. Yep. We go back to the vampire lair where Drusilla's playing with her dollies. What is this woman? Spike's talking to her. Something about they came here because of the Hellmouth and it's going to restore her. I don't know. She's worried she's going bald and Spike's just like, shut up, eat something. Here's this girl I killed. You can have her. It's Sheila. That's that. Sheila's alive, by the way. Yes. She gets vampired. There's some important stuff in this scene, though. There is? Yeah. Drusilla is talking to him about how he's got to play nice with the anointed one because he's got a lot of power. If you haven't picked it up on it, Drusilla's like psychic. Mm. Like she senses stuff that's going on. She's got like powers beyond just I'm a vampire. But I don't know that yet. Well, you should know from this episode because she's talking about stuff that only makes sense if she's got like a sixth sense. Or as Snyder would say, a fifth sense. Yeah. <laughs> But she also seems crazy. That's true. So yeah, watching the show, you might just be like, oh, she's just crazy. And but... like childlike. Yeah. Like she's not all developed yet or yeah. got undeveloped somehow. But Spike goes along with what she says, which should lead some crazy. Yeah, I see what you're saying though. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I feel like there's going to be a whole episode or two dealing with whatever her deal is, I assume. 
No, she she died at the end of the episode. No, she did not. So the gang is preparing. They're making their steaks. Buffy's doing something with a big knife. But then we find out she's just chopping vegetables for parent-teacher night. I thought that was a fun reveal. Yeah. Buffy's got a lot on her plate managing this whole parent-teacher vampire holiday thing. Especially because Sheila's not pulling any of her weight. Because she's dead. <laughs> and before she was dead, she was just also not doing it. Right. Buffy makes lemonade. Willow comes up and is like, how much sugar is in this? Like, Willow knows the exact amount of sugar that should be in a punch bowl full of lemonade. What a weird way to ask that question. I mean, it's clearly to point out that she forgot to put it in there and it's like a funny joke. But yeah, who asks that question ever? (laughs) Willow tries it. There's clearly no sugar in it. But she, for some reason, tells Buffy it's good, which I think is dumb because Buffy's trying to make everything perfect. Why wouldn't Willow just help her out? Yeah. Uh, And then Buffy's mom comes. We got to keep Buffy's mom from talking to the principal. So Willow takes her on a tour of the whole school to distract her. Eventually, the principal does talk to her and like rats her out like it's says everything that's bad about her. Yeah. But that doesn't make any sense because like Snyder made a big deal about like you do all this stuff for me and I won't do this. And then he did it anyway. I don't like Snyder. He's a bad dude. During all this, the gang is still in the library. Giles has now found in one of his books that Spike is a old vampire. Not that old. He's younger than Angel. But his name was William the Bloody. And he's got a history of killing slayers. He's killed a couple in the last century. And I'm like, Giles, you would have absolutely known about this. It's like your whole job to protect Buffy. And this is the first you're reading about someone that's been killing slayers in the somewhat recent vampire history? It does seem like he would know. Yeah. Giles is fired. (laughs) He's too distracted by Miss Calendar. Mom comes out of the principal's office. It's true. Principal has said a lot of bad stuff about her, even though Buffy's done a great job, minus the lemonade, which I don't know if he's tasted. She did spill it on him. Maybe that's why. Yeah, he seemed upset before that, though. That's true. So his mom comes out, and then there's still people in this room, but he just starts shutting all the lights off. What is happening here? He's just like, we're done here. But this cues the vampires. Spike enters. He couldn't wait. He wanted to do this a couple days early. Buffy throws a chair at him, which is actually a pretty good distraction. <laughs> All the vampires are like, oh no, not a chair. Yeah, it's so funny. It's it's that classic like six vampires running straight at her. They're like a foot away. She grabs the flimsiest little plastic chair and that knocks all of them over and like they are stunned. <laughs> All the humans run away. Willow uses a bust in the hallway. It's the lightest bust I've ever seen. She just picks it up like it doesn't weigh 400 pounds and hits someone with it. Her and Cordelia hide in the closet. They really should get heavier doors on the library. This is the second episode where they've had to barricade the library, and I feel like it probably won't be the last. Using a bunch of wheeled items. (laughs) Xander escapes from the library through some kind of secret underground tunnel we're just finding out about. He goes to find Angel. Cork and Buffy's mom and some other people are in a room and Cork's like, no, no, this is just PCP gang members. And Buffy's mom is like, oh, what's happening? Buffy's like, don't worry, mom, I got this. I'm going to climb out of the ceiling. And she just tells them to stay put. And her mom's like, okay, this is normal. Spike's trying to lure Buffy out, but she drops down into the library. Cork and another guy try to escape out the window, even though Buffy's like, that'll kill you. And the other guy definitely dies. And then we find out why the episode's called School Hard, because it's Die Hard with vampires. That was my guess. She's crawling through the ceiling. She says to Giles, like, I'm going to kill them one at a time. And that's her plan. And that's what she does. Sheila shows up. She's all like, hey, I'm here now. Buffy does not know she's a vampire. Angel and Xander show up. Turns out Angel and Spike, old buds. Spike seems very happy to see him. 
Spike calls him his sire. His Yoda. I do want to point out that Spike is not his sire in the like literal sense of the sire. This is uh, something that they change later or they don't really explain what a sire is, I guess, yet. It seemed like maybe he trained him, but you're saying no? Yeah, he sort of trained him. But like generally when you sire someone, that means to like turn them into a vampire. Oh, okay. But uh, it's not 100% clear. But I think that was the original writer's intent, and then they change it. Angel says some stuff about kind of how he's been lying to Buffy, which is just a trick, which Xander buys and is like, I knew you were bad. And Spike does not buy it. And then there's this moment where they're both going to bite Xander to like prove that they're both vampires, I guess. They're kind of playing chicken. But then Spike calls him on his bluff, and he's like, don't lie to me. But like Xander could have died. Yeah. I mean, I think Angel didn't really want Xander to die, but like there was a chance that Spike would have just bitten his neck. Yeah, like maybe it wouldn't have killed him. Like you got to suck the blood for a little bit, but. I think that would have maybe been kind of whatever to Angel. He doesn't love Xander, but like, okay, Angel. Yeah. Everyone's fighting. Xander and Angel go outside and fight some vampires. It's cute. They're buddies now. Yeah. Sort of. They hate each other, but I like their developing relationship. They're bronomies. Aw. Buffy is fighting Spike's stunt double. He's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's clearly a stunt double. (laughs) Buffy's looks mostly like her, same build, but this guy had like different hair. I'm sorry, but like some of the stunt double fighting, I don't know why they needed a stunt double. Because sometimes it's like, yeah, you're really taking me out of this because Buffy is fighting someone totally different right now. They're fighting, they're fighting. It's not looking great for Buffy. How she's going to get out of this? And then boom, axe. I thought it was Giles, but it was her mom. And Spike is like, ugh, women, and leaves. That's all it took for him to stop fighting Buffy? Didn't make any sense. A middle-aged woman with an axe scared him away? Joyce is not a threat. Like, (laughs) you should be able to overpower Joyce pretty easily. I like Spike. I think he's a good villain. Yeah? Why is that? Because he's so unpredictable. He's so much scarier than the master or the anointed one. Yeah. But the fact that he just gave up here didn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, if Buffy had had an upper hand, maybe I'd get it. But, like, I don't know. Seems, like, not that scary. Right. So the fight's over. The principal is talking to a cop. There's two bodies. And he says he's going to go talk to the media. He's like, should I tell him the usual? And Quark's like, yeah, PCP gang. So this is something they've done before, this cop and this principal. And specifically, he says, what, should we tell him the truth? Are you kidding? So he knows there's vampires. Miss mm. Calendar holds onto Giles' arm, which is basically like a first kiss for Giles. <laughs> he's only read about this in books. <laughs> The mom doesn't care what the principal said about Buffy anymore. She's just proud that Buffy can stand up to bad guys and take care of herself. This would be a great time to tell mom what's actually going on, but no. It's insane that Buffy keeps this from her mom. (laughs) After all of this, like, they saw the guys, and they even noticed that, like, their faces were weird. Yeah. Like, I feel like Buffy should just be like, those are vampires, this is what I do. Yeah. And I know they really don't want to move, but, like, maybe if I were the mom, I'd be like, we should go somewhere else. Yeah. What is property value like in this town? Like, it's got to be dirt cheap to buy a house. There's so many people dying. I mean, it'd be tough to be like, Mom, I'm going to go fight vampires and do danger all the time. But, like, if she can explain to her that she must do this, yeah, it would just be maybe easier than, like, being in trouble all the time. Also, Joyce is dense. How do you not figure out something's up with your daughter? I don't know. Willow and Cordelia are still in the janitor's closet praying. Nobody let them know the vampires were over. That's a funny scene. Yeah. Spike goes back to the Anointed One's lair. He asks his girlfriend, how's the Annoying One? Good joke. (laughs) She's like, you got to play nice and and ask for, you know, forgiveness. And he's going to ask for forgiveness. But you got to remember, the Anointed One was raised and taught by the Master. He tells Spike that he failed. Spike doesn't like that. 
Spike grabs the little anointed one and puts him in this just cage that's around. And he pulls him up, 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 up into the sunlight where he disintegrates. And the anointed one is just done? Yep. Yeah, I didn't like that. I think Spike's cool. Like I said, he's sort of like, fuck the rules, fuck tradition. I'm scary and unpredictable. You don't know what I'm going to do next. Look, I just killed your season one villain. But then I'm also like, we just bailed on that season one villain that we spent a lot of time setting up and training. Yeah. That's all done. The master, anointed one, never coming back. Yeah. Which is fine. I didn't really find either of them scary, but it it felt like a weird choice. I remember seeing this the first time on TV and thinking that was like a choice I didn't like for all those reasons. Like the anointed one, even Drusilla's like, he's got power. Like there's something mysterious here. And we just kill him like in a comical way, like Mm -hmm. a throwaway joke that Mm -hmm. he gets killed. Part of me now thinks it's kind of fun because it's like really setting Spike up to be a, like a legitimate villain. Yeah. That is powerful because he doesn't care about that shit. Yeah. But as a writer, I'm still like, okay, we're just throwing all that away. Brian, did you think this was a good episode? I thought it was uh I thought it was an okay episode. There's things about it I liked. Mm-hmm. I wish the school hard part of the episode had been a lot longer. I would have liked it if it like started that way and it was a whole episode of her like John McClaning like slowly getting the upper hand. And maybe we didn't need all the parent teacher night stuff. That ate up a lot of time. And I mean we got some jokes out of it but I just think it would have been better if her like really see like a essentially like a diehard movie. You can't do a diehard movie in five minutes and that's what we got was five minutes of vampire diehard. You can't do a diehard movie without shattered glass. Yeah she's got to walk on shattered glass. Her stunt double does. <laughs> She's got to wear a tank top. Spike should have been German. He is. (laughs) He looks German. Would have been also funny if Spike did an American accent just like Gruber did. (laughs) Just his regular accent. Is he American? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I feel like they could have, I liked the idea. I would have liked to see a little bit more of it. But yeah, other than that, there's some funny lines in it, but I don't know that I would put it, like, some people love this episode to death, probably because it introduces Spike, but I think it was just an all right episode. I still enjoyed it. I love Buffy, but I would say it was just an okay episode. So which episode was better? That's a really good question. I feel like they both had some really good things. Like, I love the introduction of Spike. Mm -hmm. I like Lorelai's struggle with whether she should get married or not. Mm -hmm. A lot about the rest of the episodes wasn't great, Mm -hmm. both episodes. Yeah. I know we kind of make fun of these shows a little bit when they are good shows, but there was a lot to poke fun of, I think especially in Buffy this week. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of stuff that was silly. Mm -hmm. Like, why isn't she telling her mom? Why are we just getting rid of the anointed one? What's the deal with Spike's girlfriend? Yeah. As much as I liked the setup of Spike and how scary he was, there were a lot of things that weren't good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm torn. Do you have a strong opinion? No, I don't have a strong opinion. I'm leaning towards Buffy because I really liked the vibe when the school hard stuff happened. I agree. When when Spike showed up in the school, I'm like, oh, this is very dark. And I like the tone that they're setting. And like you said about Gilmore, it was one of those things where there were some really good moments. But then there was other stuff that I didn't love. But like you pointed out, that Buffy's episode definitely had that. But I think I'm leaning towards Buffy being the better episode of the two. They had a lot of weight to... I guess both episodes had a lot of weight to carry, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Lorelai is ending this relationship. We have to figure out why. Buffy is introducing a new villain and dealing with what happened with the villain from last season. Yeah, both are like big shifting points for the show. Like, we're ending this thing and we're starting this new thing. But I think I'm going to go with Buffy. I think I am too. But it's close. Yeah. 
Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on either or both of these episodes. Let us know which one you thought was better, because we kind of don't know. Yeah, I want to know what you guys thought. Do you like Spike? What do you think the stoplight meant? Do you like what happened to the anointed one, or do you think he should have stuck around? Was it Luke, Christopher, or Emily that ruined Lorelai's marriage? Let us know. You can reach out to us at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok. At Gilmore Slayer. Also follow us at Brian and Stacy on those same platforms. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an EY. Or send us an email at Brian and Stacy Reviews at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy, where we review things. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five star review on iTunes. If you do, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. For free. Next week, we'll be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 2, Episode 4 Inca Mummy Girl. One of the most important episodes of. Buffy. By the way, um, do you remember last week when I told you the anointed one was going to be around for a long time? That was a lie. <laughs> was and a I also lie. think you hate this episode next week. <laughs> I don't hate it. I I don't. I've seen it. I barely remember it. And we'll also be watching Gilmore Girls season one, episode four, The Road Trip to Harvard, which is probably just what it says. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We're going to go make fish. Yep. Love you. Bye. Bye.